Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome into Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. 103.7 Lafayette, one zero four one. Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Also, you can watch us simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline 706-0111-706-0111. If you would like to talk about college baseball, college softball, sweet well, I say sweet 16. The weekend started out with the sweet 16, now down to the final four, obviously, and College basketball, if you would like to discuss that. NFL, the Saints did make a move since we last spoke, and we'll we'll discuss that as well at some point today. So if you have any thoughts on any of that, certainly feel free to call us 706-0111. Well, when we left on Friday... There were two baseball programs that we follow the most, the Cajuns and the Tigers, that had some serious questions. And I think, um, I don't know that you can say that either team has arrived, but they certainly said, don't forget about us just yet. Uh, Cajuns at home against South Alabama. Got a series win, and and even the game that they lost six to five, um, you know, was good, nice, competitive game. I mean, it you know it was it was a good weekend, and it started out on Friday a little on the scary side. I got to tell you, it was one of those games that I you know you could call like a, a dentist office game. Dennis office contest because they just, they, you know, it was close throughout, but then they had a chance to score with a runner on third and less than two outs and they didn't score. And then they had another chance to score with a runner on third and less than two outs and they didn't score. And then they had another chance to score with a runner on third and less than two outs and they didn't score. And then they had another chance to score with a runner on third and less than two outs and didn't score. And it was like, they're going to blow this game. I mean, as, as a Cajun fan, when you're playing a really good team like South Alabama and you have all of these opportunities, you're like, it's, they're going to lose. And then to make it even worse, South Al hits a home run and it looks like in what, the top of the 11th. And at that point, you're like, I cannot believe they're going to lose this game after all these opportunities. And then the Cajuns respond with two runs in the bottom of the 11th. So it was an ex- it was a great victory, but it was an extremely frustrating way to get there. Um, uh, just an incredible pitching performance. I don't know that I've ever seen a relief appearance as dominant as what Bo Bonds did on Friday. He threatened to set the all-time strikeout record for a game as a relief pitcher. Didn't even start the game. I mean, it was – he pitched I, – I don't, I don't have it right in front of me, but he pitched like, you know, 
five and two-third innings or something, and he struck out 14. I mean, it was like you just can't six innings. You, you just can't hardly do what he did. The first 10 outs he recorded were all strikeouts. Again, and they weren't playing, you know, like some Division two team. This is a good team with really good offensive numbers. Really good offensive numbers. Um, so it was it was a, an incredible performance by Bo Bonds, and he didn't get the win. <laughs> it's just funny. That part of the game really frustrates people. Uh, Dylan Toy didn't pitch terrible, but he pitched one inning, gave up a run. Um, and he got the win where you have another guy in Bo Bonds who strikes out 14 in relief and he does he gets a, he gets a no decision. That's just kind of one of the quirks of the game from a statistics standpoint. But so you've got the Cajuns who, you know, I still don't, I still a lot of questions about how the pitching is going to work out. These are two totally different pitching staffs. I was joking um, with someone yesterday after the game, if you could get South Alabama's starting pitching and combine it with the Cajun bullpen arms, you could go to the College World Series. It's just, they have three, I mean, you know, you, you can't say you like South Alabama because, you know, if you've ever had anything to do with the Cajun program, you you, you know, that's their biggest, you know, for, for a long time. And so it's not about liking them, but it's about, man, you got to love their starting pitch. I mean, it's they got workhorse. That's starting pitching. I mean, that they they do starting pitching like I think it's supposed to be done. Now, it's not done that way anymore, and there's a lot of reasons for that. But you want to talk about, we throw out that term, old school. These cats have an old school approach to starting pitching. Unbelievable. Really, it's unbelievable. Like, they just, uh, on Friday, the starting pitcher, he just... He just kept pitching. I'm like, he, he's like at 70 pitches in four innings, and he just kept pitching, and he kept pitching. Gave him seven innings. I didn't even think he'd go five. And then on Saturday, the guy goes nine. I mean, they got, I mean, these guys. Talk about some workhorses. That was impressive. But now the bullpen, a mm, little iffy. None of their bullpen pitchers, we're all that impressive. So South Alabama can really hit. South Alabama can really play defense. Their center fielder was spectacular. I mean, spectacular. He made some, as our old friend Milo Hamilton would say, some blue star defensive plays. Um, and they, they can really hit. They can really defend. And they really can have a good starting rotation, like three stud starters. I mean, they got a weekend rotation. Their bullpen, though, eh. the problem with, you know, look, you're going to win a lot of games that way. But we've all seen it. When you get into the postseason, man, you got your bullpen's got to be able to deliver. I don't know about their bullpen. Throwing out a lot of freshmen, a lot of freshman arms in the pit. Uh, that bullpen is a little on the iffy side. Um, 
And again, you might say, well, why you say the Cajun bullpen? Because again, the, in my mind, the Cajuns bullpen is having to start and finish because they just don't have any starting pitchers. They really don't. So, um, Jeff Wilson had another um, quality outing as a starter. You know, to me, he's always been a bullpen arm. They're having to make him as a starter, and he's done a fine job. He, he, you know, he, his his start got lost kind of in yesterday's six to three win. So, um, again, any thoughts you have on on Cajun baseball? Certainly, feel free. Um, to call LSU baseball, man, you know, we all, I was starting, I'm like, man, I don't know this team. I don't know about this team. But one thing we knew about it, even when we didn't know about this team, is they could hit. And they and they brought the bats out the last two days. I mean, I, I got to tell you, when they lost that game Friday after the way they played all season, which is not real impressive, um, I was like, they're gonna have I didn't think they'd win that series. And they didn't just win it. They want it going away. They took out they have the ability to beat you with their bats. And they did that two games yesterday. And so I mean over the weekend. And so that's nice. And and it, the you know, the problem with you know, in the SEC is just about every week you play, you you're playing someone that can beat you. So there's no West for the Reary, as they say. And it's the same way with the Cajuns. I mean, you know, they got to, they, they, you know, you feel a little better about yourself than you got to play a five-game week where you play Southeastern and UNO. And it's not that those teams are unbeatable. It's just that they they can beat you. And then you play Georgia Southern, who last time I checked, they had like the highest RPI in the whole Sunbelt Conference. So they're, and they're good. And they're like, Basically, in back-to-back weeks, you're playing first-place teams, and so, you know, it's just it's just not not an easy deal. You don't you don't get to you know do your touchdown dance. You you just got to keep going, and and they and they all said the right things yesterday from Coach Dex and every player we interviewed. I mean, it's just one game or one series, and you got to treat everybody the same way, and all of that is true. And yet that series just meant a little more because you're you had lost four in a row, and you needed to win. But man, I, I, you know the jury is still very much out on the Cajun pitching. I think the jury is still very much out on LSU defensively and pitching wise. But there's no question they can hit. I mean, there's never really been any question they can hit, and they and they showed what that means. They can hit, um, just battering. Florida's pitching staff. So, again, hitting can come and go at times, and so we'll see if the other parts of the uh, of the team can continue to come together. But, but certainly an encouraging two weekends for those two teams. Cajun softball did what Coach Glasgow um, kind of thought. Interesting thing, and we'll be talking softball the next two days, so we're not going to talk a whole lot about it today, but the interesting thing to me is Alexa Langeliers, when she comes back, she she had start until she got hurt, started every game at shortstop. Uh, her batting average, though, had dipped below 300. Her defense was eh, up and down, a little iffy at times. And I wonder when she gets healthy, 
is there going to be a spot for her in the lineup, at least on an everyday bit? I'm not going to say she's never going to play again because I don't expect that to happen at all. But um, I don't know. There was a lot of stability on defense here. And Ari Quinonez hit, and she made a, you know the best defensive play I've seen any Cajun make all season. And so, you know, very, very interesting to see how that's going to play out. When you've been struggling, when you have a weekend like you did, I don't know that they're going to be in a, they're going to want to change the lineup anytime soon until things start going in a different direction. So we'll see. I was thinking, having not analyzed the whole schedule, that they were done with all the big school, but they actually go to Texas on Wednesday. So one more game against Texas on their way to play Texas State. So um, nice weekend, nice week-long challenge for the softball team as well. All right, so we kind of reviewed the Diamond Sports over the weekend. When we come back, uh, you know, we have all week to talk about the Final Four, but, you know, there are some uh, fantabulous matchups there. So if you would like to discuss that, certainly feel free to call. I was wrong. No, I didn't I didn't know that North Carolina would get here. It's one of those things where it almost seems made up. Like, it's just too good to be true. Like, you know, they never played each other and Coach K's leaving. Like, how many of us should have seen this coming? And some people suggested that maybe the officials made sure that that was going to happen. But, but no, it, it, the storyline's almost too good to be true. And yet, uh, so certainly any thoughts that you have on that. But when we we'll take a time out, when we come back, I'll give you my opinion of the of the Saints move since we last spoke. Hmm. We'll see. All right. We'll come back after this time out on the game. One oh three seven Lafayette, one oh four one Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Kevin Foote is a walking, talking encyclopedia of New Orleans Saints history. No, seriously. After that is 2013, which I call the Forgotten Saints season because in so many people's mind, the Saints' streak of good football ended with the Bounty Gate season. And it's not just recent history either. In 88, they finished 10-6, and six, tied for first place in the division, did not make the playoff because they got cheated by a blind official named Fred Silver who absolutely cheated, uh, stole a game on Sunday night in a 13-12 loss to the Giants with his either blindness, ineptness, or cheating, or whatever you want to call it. I think he was just blind and senile. We return to the man who's forgotten more Saints history than you will ever know. Kevin Foote. And footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Again, the game hotline 706 0111, 706 0111. Want to remind you if you would like to see the Harlem Globetrotters 
Uh, they're going to be here at the Cajun Dome in Lafayette on Tuesday, April the 5th. And there is a way for you to get win a family f- pack of four tickets to see the Harlem Globetrotters. Simply need to text TROTTER, T-R-O-T-T-E-R, text TROTTER to 68683. Text TROTTER to 68683. You will win a family four-pack of tickets, or you could win a family four-pack of tickets to see the Harlem Globetrotters at the Cajun Dome, courtesy Again, the date is Tuesday, April the 5th, which is a week from tomorrow, eight days away. So uh, you need to go ahead and try to get that done if you are interested, thanks to the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. All right. Uh, The acquisition of Daniel Sorensen is not something that's going to obviously excite a lot of Saints fans. Um. He's a guy who has started a lot of games but was never really, only twice in his eight years with the Chiefs was he a full-time starter. Now, he played it a lot the whole time he was there. You know, after like his first or second year in the league, he was an undrafted free agent out of BYU. And, you know, his first two years he he played a little bit here and there, but he went. But, But the last six years he's been a regular part of their defense, but he didn't always start every game. Um, for instance, last year he started seven games. The year before that, he started 11 games. So he starts a lot of games, but whether he starts or doesn't, he, he plays a lot. He's, it's a one-year deal. It's insurance. A lot of people are probably thinking, why in the world with all the rumors about Tyron Matthew, did you sign Sorensen? Well, first of all, I don't know why you couldn't sign both. Like, you know, I don't, to me, you could sign both. I'd be all for it. Um, the good thing, again, the I, I, I still have, I don't know what it is. I still have this fear that Malcolm Jenkins is about to retire. I hope that's not the case. I hope he waits at least one more season, but I just, I guess I'm a little paranoid in that front. But, um, you know, is he a good football player? Yes. So I don't have a problem with him coming onto the team. I hope he's not, you know, I don't think he's anything like a long-term solution or replacement for Marcus Williams. I don't think that's what this is. But is he a good, solid player? Yeah, has he played in a lot of big games? Uh, Yeah, the Chiefs have played a lot of big games in the last four years. So half of his career, uh, he's played in a lot of big games. And he's made some big plays in big games. This is a guy who likes to score. I mean, he has four pick sixes in his career. And again, he hadn't started every game. Um, so, he, you know, again, he likes to score. In fact, two times ago, he if you remember, he had a pick six of Breeze um, in that very frustrating loss to the Chiefs in Kansas City. Very, very frustrating loss. Um, and so, again, am I, I'm not down on the deal. I don't think it's like not as significant a move had they, had they signed Matthew. But I think he's a good player, and he's going to help. He's probably a tremendous special teams player, potentially, and he is – 
you know, again, a safety who's made a lot of big plays in his career. So I'm all for it. I just, you know, it's just kind of a, a placeholder kind of a, of a move. And you never know how big of a impact he can have. We'll, we'll wait and see. All right. Again, the game hotline is 706-0111, 706-0111. We, will t- we talked, we introduced the NFL draft last week. We'll talk more about the NFL draft as we get on with the week and certainly feel free uh, to give your opinions. You know, er- it gets very frustrating for me because not every, but it's hard to go two or three it's hard to look at two or three mock drafts. Well, I don't. I, it's happened every time. You can't look at like three mock drafts without at least one or two of them saying the Saints are going to pick a quarterback. I just don't know how anyone can look at where the Saints are right now, look at what they've done forever, look at what they've done since the season end, and Casper quit on them, um, and say. They're gonna they're in rebuild mode, and so they're gonna go with a young quarterback in the first round. It just wouldn't make any sense. Like, why first of all, I mean Daniel Sorensen's an example. Why would you pick up a veteran like Daniel Sorensen if you're in rebuild mode? I just I just don't understand it. But anyway, so it 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 kind of it kind of frustrates me. But and I certainly, you know, I the you know ninety something percent of it is because I think it's historically and um, and just looking at this team here and now just makes no sense, and you know, just to me, an uninformed, ignorant um, suggestion for where this team is going to go. But there's always that hint of they can't really be that stupid, can they? I mean, you you kind of ask that yourself. And look, this this franchise over the last 10 to 15 years has done a lot of good things. They've made a lot of good decisions. Now, they haven't always gotten a lot of breaks along the way. But, you know, in terms of team building, they've done a lot of good things. They've had a few lapses. No question. You know, um, 2014, 2015, you know they signed a few people and and it wasn't it wasn't good. They they they're not they haven't been perfect. No question. They had a couple two or three years there where they they I think they're you know they signed some free agents that didn't work out. But they haven't done a lot of that before or after that. And so they've earned some trust. But there's always that hint they can't really be that stupid. I mean they were stupid enough to pick Ian Book. But again, if you're going to do something really stupid, then do it in the fifth round. Like, don't do something really stupid by picking a quarterback in the first round. That's stupid. And so, um, I, I just don't believe that's going to happen. So, we'll, you know, we'll see. Again, um, I, I would think they would make a few more moves. And then, I mean, I, I again, I, it, I keep having to pinch myself because again, I'm the guy I've been against and fighting, not as hard 
as I fight against drafting a quarterback in the first round. I, I mean, that is just a, a deplorable concept to me. Just absolutely um, body numbing. I mean, if they would do that, I, I really, I'd be mortified. I mean, it would just be one of the worst thing that's ever happened to me as a Saints fan. Um, I'd be more mortified by that than the non-call in the in a, in the NFC Championship game. I mean, that would just be the worst thing ever. But if they did that, I would be mortified. But right, but 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 right under that for the last ten or fifteen years, Ben, you don't pick a receiver in the first round. You just don't do it. But right now. I've I've turned I've turned the corner on that deal. I'm like they have to pick a, one of these receivers in the first round, and so I'm so they have to pick a receiver in the first round that you know any other position seems a little crazy other than other than uh, an offensive tackle if they really like it, but but I think that it's just me guessing. I, I think that they're more confident in, in living with guys like Hurst and Young than they are living with guys like Lil' Jordan Humphrey. So I, I think they like their I think they like the stopgap options at offensive line right now more than that's already on the team more than they like their stopgap options at wide receiver. And so I think they're going to pick a receiver in the first round. So all this other stuff, just it just doesn't really make sense to me. Now, which receiver? That could be fascinating. You know, it, the next month or five weeks, however long we are until we get to the draft. By the way, it's April on what? Friday. I think Friday is April. By the way, I'm not an April Fool's guy, so please, please don't. Please don't. Please don't. My, my heart, I'm just telling y'all now, my heart is a little iffy. I'm getting older. It's been a really stressful last six to eight months. I'm just back. No, I don't need, no, I, I need to be on alert on Friday. And so we, we, we don't need any, any, potentially fatal false reports on Friday. Can we can we not do that? It's just a simple request from an old man with a weak heart. Just we, we cannot have that. But anyway, um like, you know, I mean I may not look at any mock drafts on Friday. Friday's a day I don't know that we need any Saints news. Let's have no Saints news on Friday. There's shit like like no news at all on Friday. But um, but no, I I I am with each passing day, I'm more and more convinced they absolutely because normally you you go into a drive, and eh, I don't really know what they're gonna do. The Saints are real good at kind of keeping you confused, you know, unless something really big happens between now and draft day I'm at the point where I'm going to just be I think I'm going to by a month from now I'm going to be completely shocked if they don't pick a receiver in the first round I think unless something big happens now if they make some big splash and get a uh, a receiver I don't know who in the world I would be at this point but make some big splash maybe I'll get a little 
Maybe I'll change my tune, but as of now, I, I think he's got to be a wide receiver. It's just got to be. All right. We'll take a timeout. We'll come back as we learn a little bit more new bumper music. We'll come back with more on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Kevin Foote, an award-winning journalist, popular sports talk show host, and a man who apparently moonlights as a doctor. A medicine season of a different strand in 12, obviously, because the criminal commissioner decided to inflict them with, with the, the host bounty gate silliness. His descriptions of illnesses are extremely concise. A normal strand of a medicine season. It was a different strand. This out of the blue from Timbuktu and all of this bounty gate silliness. Dr. Foot is ready to write a prescription for what ails your favorite team here with more footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Let's go or welcome back to the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Want to remind you the game hotline 706-0111-706-0111. Let's go to the game hotline and talk to our old friend Joey. Hello, sir. Uh, finally, I'm paying attention. It's that time of year, my brother. But so, I, 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 I think receiver, we're going to wait till the second round, Kevin. And I, I'm in agreement with you. I used to say never draft a receiver in the first round, but the college game has changed enough. And the proof's in the pudding where rookies step in at wide receiver and can be productive. I used to think that was the second hardest position to adjust from college to the NFL. I, yeah, I think still think it's the third hardest position. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, it's not like I think, I, I think it, I think, there are more that fail than than the comp than this new way of thinking is allowing for, but I it just seems like this is a special group. If you trust all these these draft experts, and uh, I just think that when you combine need and where the strengths of the draft are, it just makes too much sense. Yeah, but that also says the depth there. There's twelve really good receivers available, and that would allow you to wait till round two. And with the extra ammo we got for the comp- compensatory picks, if they really had to, and there was a guy that they liked in the top part of the second round, they could move up and grab him if they got nervous. So I think because of that, I think they got the ability to wait. And but I mean, uh, what else would really they pick other than a tackle? And there's ten or there's about I don't know if there's twelve, but most drafts predict ten or eleven tackles going in the first two rounds. Well, and that's that's why if they needed to wait, I think Charles Cross. I, I don't think there's a shot at it, at uh, the kid from North Carolina State, Iquanu. It's uh, he's probably going to go in the top ten. 
But Charles Cross from Mississippi State is a mountain of a man. He's like 6'5", 315 pounds. And there's a chance he could fall to 18. And I wouldn't be shocked if he gets around the 13, 15 range. The Saints don't actually trade up and snag him. He's, uh, he, I think he's that good, and I think he's going to climb up boards as, as the draft gets near. So Charles Cross. The other one, I think they can wait, and Tyler Smith from Tulsa, which is really the Saint speed, finding these small school guys, I think he'll be there at 18 as well. And he may yeah, actually but, be a better athlete than he But, uh, but they're saying who, he's a guard. Now, I'm not saying the Saints guards are, are great. I'm not. But are you going to draft a guard right there, another guard? In the, no, he, he can play tackle. I think he – I mean, he started at tackle at, at Tulsa for the last two years, and, and – He's got the ability to move inside in a pinch, which the Saints also love. They love versatility. But I think you draft him as a tackle, and he could play tackle. I mean, he's another big 6'5", 325-pound monster. I just think uh, – I just don't could, think – Joey, I just don't think the, the, the offensive tackles at the end, that they're going to get at 18, especially if Cross isn't there, are going to be that much better than the ones they could get at, what are they, 49? Yeah, but I could say the same thing about the receivers. Uh, and, uh, again, there's more receivers than legitimate starting tackles. So, for that reason, I think they wait. Uh, again, you know, my wild card, and you'll probably love this one, is Hamilton, the safety out of Notre Dame. If well, I said that last 18, week. Yes. If he falls to 18, they're going to have to look real long and hard at that because uh, uh, that would solve, I think, a need. I don't think I don't think Malcolm Jenkins is going to retire. I think they're ready to move on. I don't think they want to pay him. So uh, you say he's retiring. I think he might be cut material. So either way, he may not be on the team. So that could be a void that they need to fill. And Hamilton could be there at eighteen. That could be in a perfect world to me. He falls and we snag him, and I'm real happy. But I just think. Once Armstead signed, and even though we got – I'm trying to remember the name of the kid we got last year in the sixth round. Young. Uh, yes, Young. And then, of course, they got Hurst. But I think they like Hurst in the role he's playing, where he's a backup that can play four positions and leave him in that role instead of starting him. And you go out and you get your starting left tackle – you sign him as a rookie, and you got one for five years, and they're affordable. I, I just think that makes the most sense. And I'm still from the Jim Fink school of drafting linemen. You know, I love big uglies. And I get, we'll see. It's hard to tell. I, I won't be too upset if they go with one of these receivers. But which receiver do we go with? You got all different kinds. You got big guys that are possession guys. I think if they go receiver, they got to get a speedy a Traquan Smith type receiver. Well, uh, I, I, again, I want I want London. I don't know that I don't think London's going to be there. But if, but but he was injured last season, so that might drop him a little bit. If if London is there, they got to pick him. I, well, I, a lot of guys are saying Olave from uh, ironically the Ohio State University. It wouldn't shock me they pick another Buckeye. They I, love I'm, Buckeyes, I'm, 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 but, I'm I'm good I'm I'm good with that. And and, and, and Jameson is also hurt and he started his career at Ohio State. Um and and and, and I, I look either one of those three I'll be excited about. Again, there'll be some injury issues. You know, Alave is a guy who's not 
who has doesn't have that injury history, and so he's probably the safest of those picks, and he's probably going to be there. But uh, yeah, he's, e- he's either actually, one, he's got it all too. He's got the speed. He can run great routes. He's really, really smooth. If you watch him on film, I mean, a guy had 13 touchdowns last year. That's in college. That's a lot. So, and then the Buckeyes had two other guys that are probably going to get drafted at wide receiver. So. Uh, again, it, that's my problem is if you go receiver, I'm curious to see. I mean, the kid from Arkansas could fit in their scheme, and we're just assuming Michael Thomas is going to be back at full strength. So he kind of fills that possession mid-depth. He's not the burner, but he's he's a beast of a, of a receiver, catches anything thrown his way. So you'd think they need to go back to the Devery Henderson type receiver to stretch the field. and. Look, the one thing I think Jameis's strength is is the deep ball. He throws a real pretty deep ball, so it would be nice to incorporate that back into our offense. So, again, it's it's going to be interesting. I, I mean, I, 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 I get I get what you're yet. saying about Plastic Man, but how long do you need? I mean, he's been out for two years. Like, no, I know. I was joking with a friend. He's still the highest paid receiver in the league on a per-game basis. <laughs> you know, some guy well, before Tyreek. Yeah, before Tyreek Hill. Yeah. Oh man, but I know. I just mean on a games played basis. He just like you said, he's missed what twenty. Oh, it's 22, ridiculous. Twenty three games after after this big old. He's been crippling to our cap. I mean, we paid him a bunch of money, and then all of a sudden he's. But look, I blame them. We both know he shouldn't have been in the game when he got injured. Yes, it was. That's. Stupidity and the coaches are paying a stupidity penalty for two years on Michael Thomas. Absolutely. We've got options. I just think there's enough depth at receiver. And if there's one they really like, there's going to be a couple first round receivers that fall into the second round. And they may just decide, let's get rid of one of these extra picks we got and jump into the top half of the second round. And get I, I, I think they got to make their receiver. four picks. They got to make their four picks. I, you know, I, boy, I, I am not for trading picks right now. They, they need to, well, they need to add four good players to this team. I, look, I, I, this is a, this is arguably the most important draft we've had in in five to six years because we've got to get some good talent that's affordable to get to get out of cap hell. We've got to get uh, some affordable guys that'll stabilize our cap situation again because look I, I think signing Winston for what we signed him is one of the steals of free agency to get a starting quarterback for that price that we're getting him for really helps the rest of your team but the problem is we started out so far in the hole that uh, we didn't have a lot of I was curious how you gonna pay Deshaun Watson even if he lands here and was it going to be a problem, Joey? You're not still space. buying all this. It's all creative accounting, Joey. Yeah, I get it, and and Loomis might be the master at it. I mean, if, uh, we used to joke he was a bean counter, but who knew bean counters would would run the league? You know, it's playing with cap money. But I'm tired of being. I'm tired of the kick the can down the road. We've kicked the can with Drew. We kicked the can down the road because we knew we had a Super Bowl quarterback, and we kept kicking it down the road saying, let's get one more Super Bowl. Well, that's gone. So now you got to get back to a point where you're stabilized again. And then once we get a real franchise quarterback, and who knows, Winston may be it when he comes back healthy. I mean, you we, can't we, deny his talent. No, we, yeah, and, no. We, 
I'm 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 uh, I'm, we'll I'm, I'm good as with it, him. It's, as it gets closer, gotta get I'm a running back to see what happens with Max Williams from the Cajuns. I mean, I've, I've, he he really didn't have a good combine, and uh, he's undersized to begin with. So you, normally, if you're undersized, you get away with athleticism and his bad combine. I'm hoping he has a good pro day and and climbs back up the ladder. But he could be a, a, a third to fourth round tackle that you signed that could end up being a great player for you. So there's a little depth on the line in the draft. As a lot of small schools have some good players, but I just think the, the top quality wide receivers, there's 10 to 12 of them, which means there should easily be one available in the middle of the second round. I just don't see that many going in the first 40 picks. Like well, you said, I think there'll be a run on offensive linemen before there's a run on receivers. Well, I think there'll be a run on both in this draft. Appreciate good hearing from you, Joey. Take care. I'm sure you'll be hearing more of me, brother. Yes. Enjoy the week. All right. No, I, I, we talked about it last week when I first brought up. I, I think there's going to be a lot of offensive linemen and a lot of wide receivers going in the first two rounds. So I, I think they'll have their pick of those two. It's just if they fall in love with one or two of them, are they going to be there? Look, I – Cross is intriguing. I got I got no issues with Cross, but man, I do not want to trade up to get a wide receiver. If you need if you feel like you need a wide receiver that much, pick them in the first round. They they've got to they've got to draft four good players in these first three rounds. I'm not you want to talk about stabilizing things, stop trading up. Use your picks and draft wisely. All right, we'll take a timeout. Come back, finish out the first hour next on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Why doesn't Kevin Foote talk more basketball? Because it's in the best interest for his health not to discuss basketball. I had to give up basketball to save my life. I cannot take basketball. It's way too subjective. More footnotes coming up on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. I'm starting to think of all the new songs that we've got here for bumper music that Hannah likes Steely Dan. Ricky don't lose that number the most. She seems to she seems to be her favorite. Want to remind you about the ultimate crawfish boil brought to you by JJ Exterminating Kramer Equipment and Cody's Crawfish. You could win crawfish, two bags of crawfish or sacks, I should say, a pot, a burner, an ice chest, a tumbler, chairs. $500 Visa gift card and tickets to an Astro game. And to win, to qualify for this great prize, you need to sign up today for the Game Rewards Club. That's all you have to do. And you could win the ultimate crawfish ball brought to you by JJ Exterminating, Kramer Equipment, Cody's Crawfish, and the game 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. All right, since we last spoke on Friday, the New Orleans Pelicans had a bad loss. Not that it was an embarrassing loss, just it was a, an important game um, to the Spurs and then beat the Lakers, and the Lakers just continue to. I mean, that is, that's a messed up outfit now. I, I just, 
I don't know if the Lakers are going to get to. I think the only way the Lakers even get to the play-in is if the teams that they play, which are all real good and a lot of them on the road, over the next, you know, their next eight or ten games, or or for whatever reason, have everything clinched up and they just kind of tank the game. I I think that's the only way they can get in. They just they're just not good, and they're playing like every team left on their schedule is better than them, and and a lot of those are on the road. Now again, if those two teams are resting players, then maybe they could steal a few of those games. I don't see it. I don't see it happen for them. Um, the um, Pelicans play at Portland and then at L.A. and then at the Clippers. So they have some um, some key road games coming up on, on the um, on the Flake Coast. So they got a lot of road games as well. But I just think they're in a better position to win those games than the Lakers are. And so I, I think I think it's going to go pretty well for them. But again, so that was a huge win last night. Wednesday night, they play in Portland. And then Friday night, um, they play L.A. again, the Lakers. So we'll see what happens there. Pelicans kind of hanging in there. And Ingram is back, which is good to see. All right. That'll do it for the first hour. We'll take a timeout. Come back with more in the second hour of footnotes on this Monday on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. You can also watch us on the simulcast, Stadium 32.3 or 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline is 706-0111, 706-0111. If you want to talk Cajun baseball or softball, we did that uh, fairly extensively about an hour ago. So uh, any thoughts on that, Cajun softball, certainly. If you have an th- idea of what you want, the, if you're beginning or you've already formulated your idea of what you want the Saints to do in the draft, remember, I wrote it down. When, when is the draft? I wrote the dates down because we keep overlooking it. I don't know. I don't know where I wrote it down, but I had written it down somewhere. But anyway, um, it's, it, it's, it's less than a month away or about a month away. So we're getting real close. So if you have thoughts on what you want the Saints to do, or, again, we're talking about the Saints, it it could be someone else. You know, whoever your favorite team is, certainly feel free to to call in and and give us your thoughts there. I, I, again, I won't be the word I used last hour, mortified, if the Saints pick an offensive tackle in the first round, because if they don't pick up, especially if they don't pick up a free agent offensive tackle between now and the draft, 
Um, it's certainly something that they need. So I'm not going to – wouldn't be that upset if they pick it. Plus, it's kind of their – again, historically, that's what they do best. The bet – now, it didn't work out yet with Cesar Ruiz. That's for sure. Not yet. Um, but historically, the Saints do a better job of picking offensive – tackles our offensive linemen in the first round than, than any other position and it's not even close uh, whoever their second position is I guess his defensive lineman so that's not just a I'm talking going back to the 70s it's not just the current regime that does a good job of they they've done a better job of picking defensive linemen I mean you can argue their best draft pick of the first 10 years was Derlin Moore I mean, they didn't have many good draft picks back then. Derlin Moore was good for a pretty good long time. You could argue that was their draft best draft pick of the first 10 years. And, um, you know, they Jim Wilkes and Frank Warren and Joe Johnson and Wayne Martin, um, they've drafted a lot of uh, defensive linemen that have played a long time. So offensive and defensive linemen are the things that the Saints, not just this group, any Saints group has done drafted had success with consistently um over the last 50 years or so and so i'm not gonna ever be upset with that but anyway if you have any thoughts about what you want the saints to uh draft uh or your or your favorite team certainly feel free to do that if you want to talk about the final four we certainly can do that again it just just seems made up <laughs> it's just it just the whole storybook thing of Duke and North Carolina. Uh, man, it, it's 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 hard to argue with that for drama. I mean, on the drama meter, that's pretty high. So uh, certainly feel free to talk about that. I Also, though, we are getting closer, and we'll do more talk about this right after the spring game, which is scheduled, by the way, if you don't have that on your calendar or in your mental calendar. The Cajun football spring game is April the 9th, starting at 11 a.m. So um, certainly, uh, if you're a Cajun fan, it's free. And so what a, what a big day that's going to be. You've got home baseball, and I think baseball and softball, or certainly softball, I think it is. One of them is playing at noon. In fact, I think may, both might be, and or noon and are two and four, and then you have the spring game at 11 a.m. Not this Saturday, but next Saturday. And, well, before I get to that, let's go to um, let's go to the game hotline and talk to Tom. Hello. Hey, Mr. Foot, how you doing? Good, sir. How are you? Good. I'm wondering, um, I love the nicknames you give the boys, the Saints. I've, I've been a fan since the 60s, and uh, – I'm just wondering if we named uh, Dennis Allen yet. No, we haven't. Uh, you know, n- nothing about him specifically is striking. Do you have any thoughts? Yeah, I- I've been thinking about this for a couple of weeks. How about deer in the headlights? <laughs> oh, come on now. We can't We can't start out being that negative. Why, why, why are you so down on him? I'm really not down on him. I actually met the guy at, at in Destin one year, and he was very nice with him and his family. Uh-huh. And uh, 
But, uh, you know, he just has them eyeballs looking on the field like he's got his – he's like look staring at some headlights sometimes. Just a suggestion. I, I love the guy. No, look, I, I, I know what you're saying. I, I, I get what you're saying. So we might need to – I don't know. Just, uh, maybe that's a good man. starting place, and we can come up with maybe just a fraction of a way nicer of saying that. But but no, I'll, I, I think you I think you have hit upon. He does have that look about him sometimes. I'm I'm with you. Okay, Kevin. Thank- enjoy enjoy listening to the show. All right, thank you, sir. That's a good thought, Dennis Allen. I don't know. I, I just again he he's. He's hard to um, – nicknames normally come from something you did or didn't do. Yeah, I think we need to take, like, maybe the first – Maybe, like, see how he does. First, yeah, first, like, two, three weeks of play, and then we can probably make a nickname from there. You can't yeah. just – I can't think of one on my head either, and I'm like, uh, I don't know. Like, yeah, but I, he, right now I'm thinking – I think of Brian Kelly right now all here as first and foremost because he said it, like, 15 times <laughs> in his – it's a 30-minute press conference. But I don't have one for this, Alan, yet. I need to wait till. By the way, I, I, I'm really – I know some people probably will disagree with me, but I really like the newest nickname that we came up with. Saints acquired Marcus May to play safety, defensive position. And not just the defensive position, but, like, the, the you know, the safety. Like, the one that, you know, the last line of defense. So – um, Marcus May, his nickname is No You May Not. I love that nickname. I like that. <laughs> so hopefully they it's, can. It's a, I think it's a lot better than any of the nicknames or the chance they give all the softball players for <laughs> Well, we don't want to go down that road. I don't <laughs> we'll, want to make people we'll angry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but anyway, no, that that's a good thought in that we're going to have to. But again, I, I think I think – you're right. I think we're going to have to let him play a few games, and something's going to materialize o- yeah. over. Um, yeah, the again, way he makes plays or the way he looks from him and the play goes well or like a touchdown, we got to go from there. You know, my original nickname many years ago for Sean Payton was Casper the Game Management Nightmare Ghost, and obviously that comes from, one, how he looks. He, he looks like Casper to me. And also, he made a lot of game management, in my opinion, at that time. Game management, nightmare decisions. So, Dennis Allen's going to have to do some of that yeah. before before we can um, we can come up with one. And then, then he quit, so it goes from Casper, to, you know, game management nightmare goes to Casper to quitter. So, that was an easy transition. You had on as a rejoin, it was genius. At well, we, we, we called him genius for years. Again, that was a true story. The Super Bowl year... Uh, I was still calling him Casper the Game Management Nightmare Ghost, and one of the callers said, if they win the Super Bowl, you can't call him that anymore. You have to call him genius. And, and again, I grew to to understand uh, how he did and why he did what he did. doesn't mean I always agreed with him, yeah. but I grew to appreciate and understand the, his kind of methods and why he did what he did. Uh, and so, no, I, I don't dislike – again – some people think I dislike him. I don't dislike him at all. I, I I didn't want him to leave. I never even thought about wanting him to leave. I mean, right. I in, even if I get really angry about anything he did, I never even thought about wanting him to leave. And so him quitting is not, he's just not real high on my list right now. Not real high on my list. But anyway, Cajun football. 
They had a scrimmage over the weekend, and Coach Dez was not real happy with the offense. And he was a quarterback, and he was the offensive coordinator last year, and he's an offensive-minded head coach. And so, obviously, you know, he spends more time with the offense than he does with the defense, even though he is now the head coach, just like Coach Billy Napier did or, you know, just about any other uh, play-calling head coach on one side of the ball or the other. And so he didn't want to hear this when I suggested to him in in Saturday's post-scrimmage press conference, but I just think that the defense is going to be ahead of the offense. I mean, it's just natural. Like, you you have – even though you have a new defensive coordinator in Lamar Morgan, new defensive line coach, new outside linebacker coach. So there's some differences, but all those guys are, except for the defensive line coach, have been around. The personnel has changed somewhat, but but it hasn't changed all that dramatically. You're, a lot of your leaders are, are, are still there. Or even if you have new leaders like at linebacker, you have you don't have Farai Gardner anymore. And you don't have Lorenzo McCaskill anymore, but you have Jordan Quibido who's been there for four years. You know, it's not like you have a new guy. You have Chris Moncrief who's been there for three years. And so those guys don't have quite the experience that Farad and Lorenzo did, but they've been around a long time. They know what they're doing, and and they're still they're having to become more leaders, But 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 I don't. It's not as much change. So on the offensive side, you have all these offensive linemen who are out, which is not a new thing. You know, a lot of time, offensive linemen, offseason surgery and rehabs, uh, a lot of teams struggle with, do you have enough offensive linemen to do everything you want to do in the spring? So that's not a new concept. In fact, one year, I forget what year it was, the Canadians didn't even have a spring game because of the offensive line issues. That was Coach Hud, but but still, it, was, it wasn't that long ago. Um and so you have that, you have a new, and you have a, a new quarterback situation. And all these guys trying to fight for playing time at quarterback in the post-Levi uh, Lewis situ, uh, era. So I don't think it's unusual at all that the defense would be ahead of the offense. Now, Coach Des claims it's not always like that in every practice, and, and I don't doubt it, but I think overall I, I think the defense is going to be ahead of the offense for, for a while. And that's not a bad thing. Not a bad thing, uh, especially when they get to the to September. You know, you want the defense to give the offense a little bit of a rope to learn and quarterback to get some experience. And you got some new running backs who uh, they're very high on, but and yet they still have to kind of get their feet wet. And, and, and it took a while. You know, at the end of the year, the running game was really good last year, but the beginning of the year wasn't all that great, if you remember. It took a while. And so I, I would think that it's going to take a while again. Again, one of the things that we're going once we get into the fall, I think we're going to have this idea, some people, because of all the games they've won the last two years, that everything was perfect the last two years. Eh, that was not the case. The, the performance, the, the res, end result was almost perfect. But the process to get there was not exactly a pleasure cruise. You know, they they had they struggled a long time on offense last season. They won games because they played defense and didn't turn over the ball. It's that simple. And so um they're gonna have to prove that they can do that again. 
So we'll see. All right, let's do this. We'll go to the game hotline for one more call, then we'll take our first time out of this hour. Hello. Hello, this is Julius. Uh, I had an observation about LSU football okay. spring practice, but I have a, a name I want to throw out there for Dennis Allen. Okay. Uh, we all have that friend that's just always thinking, just pensive, and the word uh, pincer is the French word for a uh, person that thinks a lot. So, you know, maybe Mr. Pincer, you know, that's just, that's one name to throw out there. Okay. Uh, P-E-N-S-E-R, so I don't know. All right. Uh, yeah, but on uh, LSU, I was watching on YouTube some of their spring practices, and uh, the pace of the practice is ultra fast, and uh, it's pretty impressive if you know the plays. If a person doesn't know the plays, it's uh, you can tell really quickly because they they don't look they look like a fish out of water. So um, on both sides of the ball, offense and defense, that fast. Uh, I just uh, offense. I got you. Yeah. Yeah. And that quarterback, they, I think it's from Arizona State, uh, Jalen, he looks really sharp. So he looks more like a starter than any of them right now, you're telling it, me? Absolutely. It's not, yeah, it's not even close. Wow. Like he looks like he's just body language. He looks like he's supposed to be out there. Um, he's really quick on his feet. So it's pretty impressive. Well, he's also probably he started more games than anybody, so that, you know Absolutely. he's got the track record to to support what you're saying. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, it looks like it. Yeah, definitely looks. All like right, it. so let's go back. You said pincer, yeah, P E N S E R. All right, we'll look into that. I appreciate your suggestion, sir. Thank you. All right, we'll take a timeout. Come back with more on the game. One zero three seven Lafayette, one zero four one Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. It's not uncommon here on Footnotes for Kevin Foote's voice and his blood pressure to rise rapidly during the show. The fat guys like you and me need to be watching mop-up time just like the stars do. Sometimes it rises a little too high. That is stupid. Stupid. Not to worry. We have EMT standing by just in case Foote passes out. Back to more Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. the shy lines absolutely all right welcome back to footnotes kevin foot on the game 1037 lafayette 1041 lake charles southwest louisiana's sports station the game hotline 706-0111 if you would like to get in i um Julius called and made a comment about the LSU offense and how quick it's going to be. I'm, you know, I don't, I don't think, I think things are going to be a lot more different on the LSU side of things offensively 
then I think they're going to be on the Cajun side. And I think the difference on the Cajun side is going to be more personnel than scheme. Obviously, Coach Leger, when he was here, when he was on with his last week and spoke at the press conference the week before that, if I remember correctly what day that was, um, he kind of went into pretty good detail as far as the, the, the kind of changes that are being made on, and they're more behind-the-scene things that the average fan would not notice. And even a really good football fan may not notice. In other words, it, it, it's kind of the way that what a quarterback does and how he makes reads and how he gets in and out of plays and, and, and all, you know, what he does under this defense and that defense and, and, and where he's looking in other words, mo- the biggest dis- changes that were made were kind of in the mind of the quarterback and in the decision-making process of the quarterback, which you'd have to be a pretty good, like an ex-coach or a really big football fan to to, to be able to really notice that. So I don't know that we're really going to notice a lot. Of- now, we're going to know about it once they kind of give us some details and fill in the gaps after we watch the game, like – this happened because we're doing this and we didn't do that last year and blah, blah, blah. But um, so I think more of the differences that we're going to notice on offense is is, is personnel. Um, he, here's what – I don't know how they're going to handle this. To me, it's a really chick, tricky situation with Cajun football right now because – Here's what I, 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 I'm going to be very anxious to see how it's going to play out. You've got a bunch of young quarterbacks. Now, Ben Woldridge has been around for a while, so he's not all that young. But on paper, especially because of COVID and the extra year so many of them got, you have a lot of underclassmen quarterbacks. So, you know, they're, they're going through a battle right now. You've got uh, Woldridge, who is a little bit on the older side, a little more experience, and, you know, he was theoretically a couple games last year, could have been the backup quarterback. Most of the time it seemed like Chandler Fields was the backup quarterback. And so one of them, then you have Lance Lejeune, who came, who transferred from Maryland. He's still young, still learning the system, and you heard – um, last week when we had Coach Leger on, how good he is athletically. So more than likely, unless something really bizarre happens, one of those three will be the starting quarterback. And more, even more likely, one of the first two, it'll be Fields or Woldridge. Okay, so let's say, you know, whichever one they pick. How usual is it both of those, no matter who they pick, are going to have at least two years to play after this year. Like, whoever wins the job out of those three, they're not going to be out of eligibility the next year. And the reason why I'm bringing that up is, if you if you read between the lines, and you don't have to read with, like, any kind of secret decoder glasses too much or hearing aid, too much. They are really high on the freshman from Madison Prep, Zion Chris. So 
He's still young. I mean, he's technically he's still in high school. <laughs> he's here early, but I mean, really, he's still supposed to be in high school. This is really the second semester of his senior season or his senior year in high school. That's how young he is. But if you listen to them, the way they describe Zeon Chris, it makes me wonder, is he going to be, if he red shirts next year, which I we don't know, the jury's still out on that, I guess, to some extent, probably he would red shirt next year. If he red shirts this next season, is, is he going to be the starting quarterback as a redshirt freshman? And that seemed like he would, like, if someone wins the job as, like, a sophomore, redshirt sophomore, and then not start their junior year, that would be pretty unusual. But if this guy is as good as they're saying, are they really not going to be able to do this? Like, okay, I'm, we're getting a suggestion here. Is it the spy? What are they saying here on this Dennis Allen nickname suggestion? D.A. Spy. D.A. Spy. Yeah, it's Dennis Allen. Yeah. His initials are spy. That's all he told me. I mean, I, 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 I'm seeing... Um, I kind of hear what he's saying, yeah. but I, I don't know that it has the, the ring there. Yeah, so I don't we'll know see. either. The, you know, his nickname is D.A. I don't know. Is there anything that we can do with um, the law? the law part of that? The prosecutor part of that maybe we can call him the prosecutor <laughs> see that that one that, that that makes it i like what one suggestion can kind of lead into another you know so that would make me talk about the da part da dennis allen district attorney district attorneys are prosecutors i don't know we'll see we'll get there we'll get there we, we, we that is um that one got my mind thinking that, that last suggestion. But, um, again, I, I – and I'm looking way ahead here. And maybe you say, well, why are you talking about that now? It's just when I'm listening to everything that I'm hearing about the quarterback situation, I'm struggling. I'm trying to look for, okay, how is this going to play out? And I see – Woldridge or Fields winning the job, but if Chris is as good as they say and or Lejeune continues to make progress as athletic as he is, who's going to be the quarterback the following year? And again, the coaches aren't worried about that right now. They're worried about, you know, getting everybody to do what they need to do at practice tomorrow. I, I, I get that. I mean, again, this is not something the coaches need to be talking about yet. This is just something that people like me and you can think about and and brainstorm about. 
But I, I just wonder how, how that's going to play out in the future. The other thing about Lejeune, who is as athletic as they, if he's as as athletic as they say, and I, I have no reason to doubt him at all, um, is that kind of like, it sounds like it's kind of like a, a Batman situation to me. And what I mean by that is, if you make him, which is my whole problem, you know, with how Batman was used since day one, uh, that he started being a quarterback, or not so much since day one, since going into last last year once um, Drew got hurt, two years ago, I mean, is if you play Lejeune as your starting quarterback, you kind of have to revamp your offense. Like, it's it, you can't use the same offense. If not, your square pair square peg round hole thing situation. You don't want that. And so that becomes a that changes so much. Like, are you really willing to change your offense to get this athletic quarterback in? And if you do change your offense, that changes that impacts wide receivers, offensive linemen. It impacts a lot. Or do you just find an effective way to make him Batman? Like, do you just, um, do you just turn Lance Lejeune into Batman and utilize his many athletic skills without having to totally change your offense? Just bit like make it like an addition to your normal offense. Use it to spice up. Your, your normal offense. A lot of decisions there. And again, that's going to be very interesting to monitor and follow how they do this. So again, to me, it's not just as easy as, okay, I'm going to pick my starting quarterback, which I'm sure the coaches, at least publicly, would tell you that's all they're worried about and that's all they need to be worried about. But you also, as a coach, have to look ahead too. Um, I'm thinking whoever wins this job is not necessarily going to be the starting quarterback for the rest of their career is what I'm saying, if Zeon Chris is as good as they say. So a lot, lot to keep an eye on. And, you know, this will be a, I guess, again, like I said last week, I guess the first year of Coach Napier, we were kind of, there was a lot of anxiety and not anxiety, but like it was interesting. But I think this spring game is going to be very interesting to watch. I uh, want to see what Draylon Washington looks like. want to see what um, all the quarterbacks look like and how that's going to play into this season and potentially beyond. So um, very interesting, the things that, that we've heard so far from camp and interviewing players and assistant coaches and, and coaches and look forward to uh, interviewing more of that this coming week on the show. Um, coach Morgan is supposedly the next assistant coach that we're going to get to talk to and look forward to that. All right, it is, it's time to take a timeout. We'll take that timeout and come back, talk more to you on the other side on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. 
March 28, 1999. David Duvall wins the PGA Players Championship at TPC Sawgrass by two strokes over Scott Gump. Duvall's father, Bob, wins the Senior Tour's Emerald Coast Classic on the very same day. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Back to footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Want to remind you about the Hangout Music Festival returning this summer to Gulf Shores, May the 20th through 22nd. If you would like to win VIP passes, all you need to do to qualify to win perhaps, those VIP passes, is to go to the Game Rewards Club, 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com today. If you do that, you might win. VIP passes to the Hangout Music Festival, again, scheduled May the 20th through 22nd in Gulf Shores, Alabama. By then, we'll we'll know... um, Man, the college baseball and softball seasons would be will be wrapping up. The draft will be behind us. We'll know the NFL schedule. I mean, that's um, you know, a little less than two months ago, but man, a lot a lot's gonna happen sports wise in these next six, seven weeks. So um might be time to do that then. All right, let's go back to the game hotline. Talk to David. Hello. Hey, Kevin. Howdy, sir. I got a suggestion for uh, Dennis Allen's nickname. Okay. Now, I don't know if you want to keep, like, with the D.C. theme, but you know in Gotham, Gotham had a D.A. named Harvey Dent, and he was a villain two-face. So Dennis Allen does have some crazy faces. I don't know if you want to. Okay, so I – Again, I, I my my Batman ended with Adam West, so you're gonna have to help me out here. So, uh, who who is this DA? His name was Harvey Dent. Harvey and, uh, Dent, okay. Harvey Dent, yeah, and he, he had an accident or something, and he became the uh, villain Two Face. So like he burnt half of his body. He had two faces. If you he's he was in uh, the Dark Knight uh, Rises. I got I don't you. Know if you watched that one. But yeah, no, I'll get Anyways, I'll get my sons and daughters. I'll get Russ and my daughters to fill me in on all those details next I time you. I see him. Yeah. All right, Kevin. Thank you. All right, thank you, man. All right, now look, I, I love it. I, I again, you might have to educate me on some of these suggestions, but that's okay. I need to be educated on a few things here and there. All right, let's go talk to our friend from South Lafouche. Hello, sir. Foot. It's funny you should. Bring me in and say you need to be educated because that's why I'm here today. All right, I am here with I am here with useless information concerning the Final Four. Okay. All right. This is Duke's first trip to the Final Four in New Orleans. I don't know if you knew that or not, but I thought it was, and I looked it up this morning, and yes, this is the first time Duke comes to the Final Four 
in New Orleans. It is also the second time being the first time being 1993 and now 2022 is the second time that the primary color of all four teams participating is blue. Okay, Did wait. You know in not in '93, who, who was that? Like or they they had blue in their uniform. Michigan that or Seton not, Hall or who was that? It was uh, that was the Chris Weber year. Michigan, North Carolina. I think it was Kansas, and there was one other one. Uh, I don't remember the fourth one. But anyway, this is the second time where all four teams come in to the Superdome with a primary color, or they have a version of blue in their uniform. Right. But this time, all four teams have their primary color as, as blue. So now you know. Now, earlier you were talking about drama. I am not a conspiracy theorist, but one thing I do look at is when things happen, that conspiracy theorists can jump all over. And, man, I tell you what, this North Carolina Duke thing in the Final Four is just giving the conspiracy theorists something to jump on. Oh, absolutely. By the way, the by the way, 90, the 93 Final Four was Carolina, Michigan, Kansas, and Kentucky. So go, go ahead. No, no, it absolutely it absolutely is. It's just, uh, it's just almost too good to be true. Yeah, and look, I, you know, I'm – some people love or hate Duke. They love or hate Coach K. I thought the the ninety one ninety two story for Duke was intriguing, and I've kind of followed Duke since then. You know, so I hope he goes out on top. You know, let him go out on top with his sixth championship, and and that'll be good. Um, as far as the nickname for Dennis Allen and the Batman thing, I don't know, man. Is he Commissioner Gordon? I I, I just don't know. <laughs> Well, again, we might have to. We want to. We want to get as many suggestions as we can, and then we might want to see to Hannah's point, kind of how the first couple games play out, and and if any kind of trend sets in, and and before we before we finalize on one. But no, I, I love the suggestions. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, I got to go to work tomorrow for a couple of weeks. When I come back, we'll call you some more. And actually, I'll be in Lake Charles for a few days for a conference. So I'm going to listen to you on 1041. How's that? All right. That works out perfect. It's All right. We'll talk great to you great hearing Good. from you. Thank you. Um, Man, I didn't remember that, that 93 Final Four being so, of course, you know, it's not that unusual. The old... Um, the Blue Bloods being in the Final Four or having so many of them. But, no, I, I didn't remember 93 being that star-studded. My first thought when he said 93 was UNLV, but that must have been a few years before that uh, when UNLV was on that incredible run, uh, Larry Johnson in, in that era. But, um, but no, it's, it's, no it's, a, it's a dream in terms of interest and you know if you have a final four and you and you're like New Orleans and you and 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 you have people saying well should I get tickets or not get tickets uh man you know you got programs that are one going to travel and you've got games that have powerhouses 
playing against one another that would make like the the average person um you know i have a close friend who was telling me last week that she is going to co-worker who's going to bought tickets to go to the final four not knowing who was going to be in it now she hates duke and so again it's it's uh and she used to work in north carolina so she's been in the middle of all that and so no it, it, it that just makes it so that much more fun that much more intriguing that much more well that's money well spent and so there no there's um that's going to be a um, a good thing for a lot of people. So I, I would think that everyone that has anything to do with the putting on the tournament committee uh, in New Orleans has they they have to just be. I mean, it just just giddy over over who won and lost. And again, it's just too much. Uh, you know, I'm not a full fledged conspiracy theorist. I'm just saying it just just sounds it's just too good to be true that it turned out that way really but um you know maybe maybe it it just is it's 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 called you know it's 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 poetic for sure no no question about that um it's poetic and it is um i would think the viewership would be pretty pretty large with with those, you know, I I always did like um, Villanova. You know, I still think the greatest basketball game ever played that I ever saw was the villain in terms of just execution. It wasn't the most exciting game, but I'm talking about in terms of execution. I don't think there's ever been a better game played than the what was that in '85 Villanova and in Georgetown at Rupp. And, you know, two teams playing in the same conference, an, uh, the underdog won, and and it, you, the, the execution in that game was just in, incredible. I mean, the, the, they shot this incredible percentage, and they were against a great defensive team. And it just goes to show you that sometimes it works in your favor when you're in the same conference because you know things about Villanova knew things about how to attack Georgetown's defense that any other team, that teams that were better than Villanova from a different conference would not have known, and they would have lost. And so it just, again, I think in terms of execution, that's the greatest game ever played, um, especially in the in the in the in the Final Four, the NCAA tournament. So it was, um, it's a, it's the people in New Orleans have to be totally ecstatic, and anyone who's on either side of the whole North Carolina versus uh, Duke matchup. Oh, man, it's just, again, it's just high drama. It's all you can say. All right, well, we will take a timeout, come back, finish out today's Monday edition of Footnotes on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Here on Footnotes, you may not always exactly hear what you want to hear, but you will hear what you need. And, of course, I got all these, oh, you're an idiot, and 
You know, what kind of Saints fan are you? Look, I'm not telling you what I want to happen. I'm telling you what's going to happen, what more than likely is going to happen. Back to more of the sports talk you need to listen to with footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome to Footnotes, Kevin Foot on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Want to remind you, if you would like to win a $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House, it's real simple to qualify to get into the positive become possible to win, and you just need to go to the website, join the Rewards Club. You might win a $50 Give certificate to Half Shell Oyster House by going to 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com today. Over the weekend, one of my most hated athletes ever signed with his original team. So it just kind of brings the all the sports hatred back full circle. Yes, I'm talking about Albert Pujols re-signing with the St. Louis Cardinals, wouldn't it be wonderful? I mean, it would be wonderful if they 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 stuck with pool holes and he, and he, and he, and he kind of struggled and had a few moments here and there and kind of struggled and trying to make the pool holes thing work ended up costing them a playoff spot. That would be tremendous. That's kind of what I'm hoping for. But, no, it's, um, you know, to me, in my mind, he should have never left. That was a stupid contract. And the Angels shouldn't have done it. <clears throat> and, you know, trying to follow the Astros and torture the Astros. It, he still did it here and there. But uh, in the end, it, it, it um, didn't work out very well. So he's back where he started in St. Louis, and hopefully, um, you know, all of that ends with a bad taste and everyone's mouth involved in that situation. But, man, uh, there's something cool about it. I agree, but hopefully it fails miserably. All right, that'll do it for today's show. Appreciate all the phone calls. Y'all have a nice day.